You're listening to School Crack, Ireland's first and foremost Magic the Gathering podcast. I'm your host, David Wolf, and I'm joined here by... Kieran and Alan. All right, lads, how's it going? We're back in action. Another week, another episode of Skull Crack, your favorite Magic the Gathering podcast, as long as you mostly care about Pi Gao and the weather in Ireland. How are you guys doing? Excellent. Uh, f- hopefully, when this episode comes out, we can we can rename it to uh, uh, Hogak Crack. Hogak Crack. Crack with Hogak. Boys, what is the crack with Hogak? Um, very likely to be banned soon, I think. That's the crack with it. <laughs> when's the, when's the ban announcement? Is it tomorrow? It is tomorrow, yeah. Yeah, very good. one day. Um, time t- time is relevant. Uh, uh, one day. Uh, just before recording this, I, was, I, I treated this. I was playing a game on Magic Online. I was on the, I was on the draw. I had a uh, turn three Tron. I was like, this is going to be fine. Uh, but then the opponent um, put 23 um, power worth of creatures on battlefield on their turn two. Why and, didn't uh, you do that? Because <laughs> I was on the play, I was on the job. I, mean, I was pretty close to doing something just as broken, so obviously I can't complain. But um, yeah, it's pretty pretty absurd. And then I was like, even more worrying is that um, I mean, so basically, yeah, basically they went turn one, scissors to turn one. They went fate the zooting. Uh, they they binned two um, uh, two venge lines. Then turn two to play the scissors flyer and uh, got a third venge line into the graveyard and a grave crawler and then cast a grave crawler and um. Yeah, they take me, but uh, and then and then, and then cast Hogak from their from their hand, but um, yeah, I mean it's like that draw is obviously insane, but it's also pretty good without Hogak. Um, so uh, I, if if Hogak, well, I mean if if they didn't have Hogak, I'd still be losing this game, but um, hopefully banning Hogak is not. Yeah, it seems like a pretty foregone conclusion at this point. They're going to ban it. Um, I'd be I'd be be very surprised if they took another path and, and banned something to make the deck weaker. I think they're just going to get rid of it at this point. Yeah, that's got to be it. Um. We can hope for fate is sleeping, but yeah, it's more likely they'll get the Van Hogak. Um, something like what Mark Rosewater mentioned in his blog talk that a, a black green hybrid creature they made was a mistake recently. So he was talking about the black green 4 4 vigilance fire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Not a. Not, I, I thought he was talking about Terrorite Shaman, but that makes uh, a oh, lot more sense. That too. Um, all right. So, yeah. <laughs> the There's not a whole amount of stuff in the way of news this week, but. We will talk a little bit about Hogak. We will talk about the Grand Prix that just happened and is still ongoing, I guess, in Las Vegas. The limited portion is still ongoing, but the modern portion has concluded. Um, we have a few small tidbits of news as well. And then we'll talk about some tournaments uh, I played in the Arena MCQ last weekend. Spoiler, didn't go well. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, we'll leave that for later, though. No, we can tell us all about that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, look. But it's okay, because I'm crushing it on the ladder. Um so <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit more about Hogak then. Um, yeah, so this this banned and, and restricted announcement is coming up tomorrow at the time of this recording. So probably by the time anybody's hearing this, it will actually be out already, and we will know one way or another. And uh, but yeah, again, I think it is a, a foregone conclusion. Most people expect it to happen. Probably an interesting thing to talk about would be what if it doesn't happen? Because I think people are so expecting it now that like what if they didn't do it like is that just is there anything that they could say that would be like oh no it's not as bad as you think it is but because we've all we've seen the numbers right it was it's ridiculous it was a ridiculous amount of the uh of the field at the 
at GP Vegas this weekend. I think it was something like just over 10% of day one into over 20% of day two into uh, <laughs> 60-something percent of the top eight. Yeah, five out of eight of the top eight was Hogak, yeah. Yeah. Good God. <laughs> I mean, I suppose, yeah, this probably is the, the darkest timeline if they don't ban anything and they try to justify it with something else. Uh, I mean, it is, it is possible that the numbers of Magic Online are different. I mean, we, we don't we have a lot less visibility on what's happening on Magic Online. Uh, I'm playing a little bit on Magic Online, and there's definitely decks that feel to me more represented than than Hogak. I've, I've only played against Hogak a handful of times, but I feel like in every league I've played against them, um, there's some variant of a, you know, Fateless uh, you know, uh, uh, prowess kind of a deck. Um, I think on the Phoenix deck, so I'm on the scene more myself on Magic Online, but I mean, that's, you know, obviously there's a, lot of, there's a lot of variables in there. Um, the you know, the meta on Magic Online is generally going to be different to these paper events, and uh, so it's yeah, really, really they they really be, be putting out straws or yeah, stretching for conclusions if they try to justify not having a big bat right now. Yeah, I think I think they basically have to do it. It's like I don't know. Yeah, if it doesn't if it doesn't happen, people are going to be pissed. I don't know. No matter what they say about data or whatever, I don't think people will believe it. I think people are just going to get the pitchforks out. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, definitely. P- people. Fuck it. People would leave the format, right? People would stop playing modern, so like that's not really in Wizards' interests. Only a few yep. months out after releasing Modern Horizons, they're obviously they want to put some focus on it going forward. So it's really not in their best interest to incentivize people not to play modern. Um, but that's kind of weird, right? Because I mean, regardless of of numbers, obviously we can see that Hogak is really like by the numbers is an oppressive deck and. It's causing all these weird shifts in the format where people are playing main deck ley lines and stuff like that that really shouldn't happen. I mean, even before that, when people were playing main deck surgical, we were like, well, my mind was blown. I was like, why are people main decking surgical? But then I was like, oh, you know, it's not that bad. And it deals with things. And okay. And now people are just main decking ley line in their Hogak decks. And it's just completely insane. Yep. But uh, yeah, like, is, is this kind of uh, a thing where players are just having such a collective tantrum over this that wizards are forced to act despite whatever the uh the data may say i think it's kind of hard to untangle it because i don't i'm like could could players be be actually having this much of a tantrum if it, if the problem wasn't actually as big as it is as it is it's like that seems very unlikely to me you know what i mean yeah mm-hmm. yeah i think um yeah it's, it's kind of interesting just to think about how like how to bridge like uh, everyone uh, I just I just had to bridge from below um announcement ban it was open for me and how like how well received that was uh, and how, how quickly we all realized that uh, it wasn't going to do much so I think that at least shows that they're yeah they're willing to step in and do something when a deck is this uh this dominant um yeah and it's like and I, I could say they, they probably were reluctant to ban Hogak itself uh but yeah because of the reasons we mentioned here but um I think uh yeah I, I really don't see them having a choice I mean they could ban if, if they really didn't want to ban anything from this new set they could ban uh fate suiting uh which i'm sure people presumably would be happy with i think uh it'll affect a lot more decks but uh it will you know also solve this problem while uh, leaving their you know brand shiny new card alone i actually think there would be a very split reaction to banning faithless suiting at this point I, yeah. I think a lot of people like it in the format and it enables a lot of decks people like and stuff like that so like i would like to see it gone but honestly i I think a lot of people would be pissed off with that too. So that leaves them in kind of a hard position. Also, it's like, I think someone did the math and it's like, even if you remove Faithless Looting, it's like Hogak still has an absurd amount of like turn two or three, you know, virtual kills because they would just replace the Faithless Looting with like a, another mediocre mill card and it would probably basically do the same thing. 
Yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah, I guess it's a true supplier. Is just uh, does a good at enabling um, an early hoax. Yeah, exactly. Bands, they just supplier. <laughs> I mean, no, I, I maybe. No, they just need to ban Hogak. The card is yeah. just broken. It's, yeah, there's no, there's no way around it at this point. I'm sad because I still have a playset that I've never sleeved up, but yeah, the card's just busted. You can play it and um, ban the stretch on Legacy. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty good. There, think it might be, might be something. Uh, do you think it needs to be banned? Yeah, it's funny how. Uh, what do you think it needs to be banned in Legacy? No, no, I, no, no way. I, I'm, I'm, I, I haven't played Legacy in a while, but um. I, I feel like there's, there's a lot of stuff going on in Legacy right now. But, uh, <laughs> um, there's a lot, a lot of nonsense. Funny way. And our sets and stuff. <laughs> okay. Well, we will know this time tomorrow. And the listeners will know as they listen to this. Uh, hopefully we don't get crazy blindsided by something, but maybe we will. Who knows? Yeah. So it's announcement is tomorrow. And then I think just judging on previous uh, dates, it'll be effective uh, the following Friday. Mm. We've got one week left. Yeah, that makes sense. Unless something else, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I was thinking there. So you know, we have we have more ban restriction announcements than usual because uh, you know they introduced some more date. Uh, you know, ever since the whole standard stuff with uh, with um, uh, Felidar Guardian, and uh, I kind of wondered like how bad was if that Felidar Guardian stuff never happened and there never was you know an emergency ban and there never was this introduction of more uh, B and R update dates. Uh, we kind of wonder like maybe this one on August twenty sixth will be the first. Uh, Band-Aid in a while, and only now to be banning Bridge, and then it'll be so much more longer till we get a chance to ban another. No, it's the opposite way around, right? The one when the set came out would have still happened, and this would be the one that wouldn't be happening. Yeah, sorry, that's right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, we yeah. Have to wait longer for the Hogak. Yeah, yeah. If they hadn't banned it, then then we would have to wait till after set October. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, hopefully, they ban it. Hopefully, they ban it tomorrow, <laughs> uh, and Magic will be saved. Yeah, they're gonna ban it. Um, yeah, so I, I've been playing a lot of modern recently uh, in preparation for MCQ in two weeks, and uh, yes, and it's it's yeah. So I'm I'm reluctant to kind of do some kind of real serious better gaming because I'm not sure how the format's going to change following following this. Uh, seems like you know people are playing a lot of Eldrazi Tron uh, because I think that lines up pretty well. Hogak, it's you know, your, your channel on one is pretty good against Hogak. It should it should sort they they just play a lot of one drops. Um, so I think that might change once the band comes in. Uh, no, we kind of said before how yeah, these Tron lists have been really kind of stretching the sideboard by adding in uh, four um, uh, four leyline, which they hadn't done before. So uh, seeing that change will have an impact, and then obviously a lot of other decks will also shift and change uh, in response. So we'll uh, see where it goes. Yeah, it's hard to know. It seems like Jund will be really good. Blue white control will probably be good again. It seems like the format should just open up and be back in a similar place, similar place where it was, but with kind of the the introduction of Modern Horizons doing what it was supposed to do rather than just totally warping the format around a new deck. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you think that Arclight Phoenix will be as kind of dominant as it was before? Um, Yeah, I don't really see why not. It's got Aria of Flame now, that card's busted. Yeah, and well, you know, I, I, I don't know if it's, if it's due to availability or budgetary reasons, but there's a lot of the Mono Red Phoenix lists on, online. I'm playing against it constantly on Magic Online. And uh, yeah, between like between, between looting Metamorphose and uh, Lavadar, they just have they take it as as many spells uh, in turn two when they have a uh, you know a press uh, creature turn one. Um, usually they, if they can have they play their second. Usually play pattern is Soul Scarbage turn one, uh, Swift Spear turn two, and then uh, you know, we're just going off the mana that's left over. Um, you get just casting a bunch of spells. If it would say on top and have two creatures in play, uh, <laughs> they can easily just twenty if you don't have a uh, removal or blocker. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that seems fair, though. <laughs> that's magic. Yeah, that is exactly. Yeah, that is that's fair enough. Well, like that, the monorail Phoenix is there because that's that's what Phoenix needs to be in this format with Hogak to survive. Like basically, the blue red Phoenix is kind of gone. Like not gone, but it's not very good against Hogak, and it's also not that good against some of the other decks that that play against Hogak, like the monorail Phoenix and like like say Jund or whatever. Um, so it could come back like the blue red form of Phoenix in that in this new new format po- uh, post Hogak format. Yeah, I can see that. That makes sense. Uh, this is a we're, we're seeing the Phoenix archetype be warped by the presence of uh, Hogak into into what it is now. Yeah. All right. The rest of the news is fairly minor. We have the Magic the Gathering companion app has been released in beta for both iOS and Android, I believe. Um, this is going to be the official Magic app that was announced sometime last year as Portal, and it's been renamed to just Magic Companion. It's had become a bit of a joke. People were just like, oh, where is this Portal thing? It's never, you know, it's obviously been scrapped or whatever. And this is the evolution of it. Uh, apparently it's, I, I haven't downloaded it myself, but apparently it's quite bare bones at the moment. It is just an open beta. And uh, I think it's just it's just matchmaking. Like it's a way to set up tournaments, right? For like eight players, like casual tournaments. That, that's all it is. I guess yeah, so far I, I haven't downloaded it either, yeah. But I mean, it's good to have a way to do that, I guess. But um, I don't know. It's part. This probably just part of Wizards kind of distancing distancing themselves more from uh, from kind of tournaments. Like they don't want to tie it down to you having to use WE or and all that stuff. Like for every single tournament, is that what is that what it is? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I suppose and it's, it's something that it's, it's one of those things that you just assume, you know. If, if a new player is getting into the game now, they'd assume that there was a handy app for you know this. Uh, you know, so it's relative, these relatively straight, relatively straightforward algorithms of you know making match, doing matchmaking, and, and setting up this tournament. Uh, it's the kind of thing that I feel like should already exist. You know. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll report back on it when we when we've tried it. Yeah. So I've downloaded it. So right now, um, I won't do it now. But basically, it's like yeah, it has it is, it is just what I can see now is just a bare bones, uh, you know, event setup. Uh, but there is advanced options, and then when I go try to go into it, Advanced options. It says, uh, please log in, register for a wizard's account to utilize the full feature set of this application. So there uh, seems like there is some more, but maybe not that much more. All right. Well, along with that, they also announced some other small things. Just that I think they announced that um, Arena is coming to the Epic Store. So it's like going to be available to download basically through the Epic Game Store. And I don't know what. <laughs> Like the the standalone app that you can download from the Wizards website is still gonna be it's still gonna exist. Everyone can still use that. But I guess it's just another place to surface Arena, which could increase the player base. I mean the Epic Game Store is certainly gaining traction at the moment. I don't know how much you guys are into like or aware of that kind of stuff. Um Epic are putting in, in a big big effort to compete with Valve and Steam. Uh, with their storefront and like they're offering free games constantly um they're getting exclusives like six month timed exclusives things like that so they're putting in a big effort to to be a worthwhile storefront on the pc so i guess featuring arena on there and like surfacing it to people who are using the epic game store could increase the player base yeah it just seems good to me i i, I would have preferred if it was on steam because that's like the 
the service I already use and like it's nice to see when your friends are playing games on there and use it for matchmaking and stuff like that um but yeah I don't know it's good to, it's good I probably won't use it very much on the epic store or whatever unless they make the matchmaking and like friends list stuff I'll be on there as opposed to in the actual game but um it's just good it just gets more players into the game I think right yeah yeah I definitely agree with that it'll be that will be great to see yeah all your all those team friends um logging in and playing setting up matchmaking uh, through that but uh yeah, so this this speaks good to the future of uh, Magic Arena, kind of going into more, onto more formats, onto more, um, into more clients. Uh, sorry, another big part of this announcement was that it's also coming to Mac. I think before the end of the year or early next year. Yeah, and it, that's great. That's 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 pretty big. Yep, it's about time. All right, so we could be seeing a big influx of new players in Arena sometime soon. And then we will crush all of them. Of course. The other little piece of news, I don't know how much we want to talk about this. We already mentioned it before the show for give the listeners a little peek behind the scenes. But uh, it was the like uh, this weekend at GP Vegas or Magic Fest Las Vegas, whatever you want to call it. There is, you know, that's it's a really big uh, magic convention every single year. There's usually two GPs on it there. There's loads of side events and what have you. And there was an old school championship i guess yeah they were just calling a championship old school championship tournament there and for those who don't know old school is a format also sometimes called 9394 uh that is using magic cards from only 1993 and 1994 so it's for people who want a little bit of nostalgia people who want to play those decks that they started out playing and we had brian weissman was the the winner uh, who is a kind of a well-respected or well-known, at least, player from uh, in that era. And he was the winner of this old-school tournament. Uh, he had a, a little trophy and everything that was made for the for the occasion by CFB. And yeah, then it, w- it kind of turned out that there was an accusation of cheating or at least shadiness by, uh, I think it was Harlan Fearer on Twitter, uh, basically noticed that the deck lists... The deck photo of this uh, of Brian Weissman's deck at the end of the tournament was different from things that could be seen in a, an in-progress game photo from earlier on in the tournament where he was playing against Elantris, who is um, a well-known kind of content creator and person who, who does a lot for community tournaments and, and what have you. And she was playing a mono red deck, and he had in play two circle of protection red, which obviously is insane against red decks. And then in the the deck list photo at the end of the tournament, he had only one circle of protection red in that sideboard. So it kind of seemed like he had opportunistically, maybe or you know premeditatively, added a, a circle of protection red to help him out or whatever in that game. And a kind of a Twitter war ensued afterwards with uh, a lot of accusations back and forth and the end result was that because uh, because i think it was actually it was like a casual rel tournament or or regular rel tournament so and deck lists weren't actually required so i think no rules were actually broken but it's more of like a sportsmanship thing and cfb basically decided that every player who ended the tournament x and one is being reinvited back to play again uh, basically play the end of the tournament again to crown a uh, quote-unquote real winner and uh, that guy brian weissman he gave back the trophy 
So what, what did you guys think of this? Um, seems like pretty clear cut cheating to me. Like, obviously, you never 100% know with these things, but his excuses just didn't really make sense to me. So he said afterwards that uh, after it was pointed out that basically he intentionally in the deck photo showed his uh, what he had been testing with because he, he wanted to hide the info of what his actual list was that he had played in the tournament, which doesn't really make any sense to hide the list that you played in a tournament that's already over. It's not like this photo was taken before the tournament and he didn't want people to know. So it just seemed like he slipped up there and then was making some like pretty questionable excuses to try and hide the fact that he had done it. Um, and I think not many, re- not many people are really believing his... Uh, his logic there yeah it is it's is a strange way to defend it and uh yeah i think that's what seems most likely is that um well from from my reading of, of, of these comments it seems most likely that he was playing with a with a you know a larger sideboard than than allowed if he's playing more than 15 cards with the sideboard uh, and then only you know chose 15 of them for the photograph he took at the end that's what seems like oh, happened most and it's it's kind of like reading into it it's like hey he's trying to defend himself by saying oh no i'm not cheating because of these reasons but like surely when he made the decision to uh when he made the decision to to do this, he was hardly thinking, "Oh yeah, I'm fine." If uh, if if I'm confronted if I'm confronted by a judge, I can just give the same explanation because that's not the same kind of explanation you want to you, you want to be giving. Uh, it's the kind of explanation you give after you've been caught when you didn't expect to be caught. Yeah, it just doesn't really add up, does it? No. <laughs> so yeah, I I find this particularly disappointing because. To me, it's like old school in 93, 94. There's like a certain type of player who who likes to play this type of magic. It's based around a lot of nostalgia and like trying to, you know, it's like the classic WoW coming out or whatever, right? People are very excited about that and like recapturing the same kind of magic they had with a game when they were younger. And, you know, they feel that's kind of like past in current or current incarnations has kind of passed it by, passed them by, right? So to me, it's like, Obviously, I abhor cheating in Magic in general and, and in any format and in, in any competition. It's it's a bad thing. But to me, it's like you're really cheating these people that are like traveling just to play like this obscure, unsanctioned format. Like, you know, like these people just have like such a love for the game. And like, it's not like there's like Pro Tour invites at stake here or anything. You know, it's just like to me, it's just like, why would you why would you cheat? in 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 this format in this arena you know yeah exactly it's uh, definitely not a good yeah like people cheat people cheat in like sanctioned formats because there's like i mean i know people cheat at every level of competition right you, we've all heard about like you know when we were kids kids cheated at you know board games you would play with each other and stuff and there were no prizes at stake or whatever so so cheating is just uh just like an ugly part of of the human condition that that some people succumb to but like just in this when you've been playing magic for 25 years and like i just don't get it you know it's just it really rubs me the wrong way i guess yeah yeah <laughs> yeah definitely yeah. i agree and it's like it's almost like, not to excuse it but i can kind of, i kind of have I, I kind of understand where someone's going from when they're in a position where they're where they feel like they need to cheat in order to um if it is like a, a big prize or for something that their their career as a magic player is on the line uh, i can see why the temptation to cheat is there uh for selfish reasons like that uh but then when it comes to yeah, like a like a, you, can call, you can call this a, a casual sanction format that's kind of has this kind of feel good feel good ethos behind it. Uh, it's just really just, it just, it, I, I just kind of understand why anyone would consider cheating. And yeah, and I mean not to be like an armchair psychiatrist of like uh, Weissman or whatever, but like he is revered right in terms of like deck building history and stuff like that as being this 
this uh, one of the first original masters of you know building a control deck and, and really like changing the course of magic and, and kind of evolving the way people thought about deck building and archetypes and stuff like that so like maybe he does have like a part of his ego is tied to that and maybe for him that's why it was so important to do well in this in this tournament to still be that person who's the master of this iconic deck you know that 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 his name is tied to or whatever you know like maybe that's the way it is maybe he is revered like that in the old school community now i don't know because i'm not part of it and again that's complete conjecture on my part it, it could not be the case at all but that's the only that's the only thing i can think yeah that's what that's kind of my my first impression was when i saw it so i think it's a it's a rational reasoning to, to think uh yeah if this if this if this small tournament made, meant so much to him uh for those reasons then yeah the attention we dare to sad you know because he did that like this is presuming he cheated, right? Obviously, there's always the, the the chance he didn't cheat. But like, if that's the road he did go down and he did cheat, he's basically going to be excommunicated from that community now for good, right? It's like it's like that's a small tight knit group. You're like everyone knows who this guy is. Everyone knows what he's done. It's basically going to be lights out for him in terms of being welcome. I'd imagine in a lot of uh, events and contexts and stuff in this in this community. So he's pay- he's going to pay for it big time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, well, moving on to hopefully slightly more positive news. Uh, we had the annual Hall of Fame discussion ha- has kind of uh, begun. So for the this particular year of the Hall of Fame, uh, obviously with the big OP restructure last week, there wasn't a huge amount to be said for the way the Hall of Fame will work going forward, like how it'll award invites and whatnot i think think they said hall of famers will get invites to the regional players tours right yeah yeah so here we've got the announcement of this year's hall of fame voting and all the eligible players uh for this year they kind of rejigged the uh some elements of this but this is before uh what will be a, a big overhaul of the hall of fame next year so basically, they're they're pushing that off to be next year's problem because I think they probably have quite a lot to be thinking about right now, and Hall of Fame affects so very few people that they can kind of reasonably put it off. Uh, but yeah, they, they've rejigged a little bit to just uh, include top finishes rather than like Pro Tour top eights or World's top fours. So there's they've they've included a few different things. Uh, so top finishes now mean Pro Tour top eight. Pro Tour Top 8s, Pro Tour Top 4s, uh, World Championships 2012 to present Top 4s, Mythic Championship Top 8s, Top 4s, Mythic Invitational Top 4s, and Magic Online Championship Top 4s. Mythic Invitational Top 4s is kind of the only standout, unusual one there. But uh, yeah, so there's going to be also a shorter voting period this year. I think it's only two weeks as well. Um, that presumably is to avoid some of the unpleasantness that happened last year and often happens in many years where people kind of sling mud at the uh some of the the top uh, nominees trying to kind of drag up things from the past to discredit them but uh i think the some some of the people eligible this year are more likely than not to get it and i mean i think the the big the big standout here for me is reed duke uh this is his first year eligible but his obviously his career is just fantastic. Um, I, I mean, he's the only one really that I think 100% deserves it. Uh, 
is there still a community vote or is it just the i think it's just like pros and wizards people that get to vote anymore right yeah i think it's a closed vote not really sure there, cause yeah. there there was a community vote at one point right where people were able to choose and then we got like one vote we everyone there was like a poll and that ended up with one vote or something like that i don't remember to be honest um anyway yeah so reed duke uh maybe andrea mangucci although his his goods his strong success is so recent that i think maybe he doesn't quite have the resume for some of the or what some people would consider um other big standouts are people like marcio uh, carvalho jeremy Dizani. But I think those are the people who who will be uh, not voted in because of their uh, sportsmanship backgrounds. Mm, yeah, I would use a different word than sportsmanship, but yeah, I, uh, I hope neither of them ever makes it into the Hall of Fame, to be honest. Well, I, I listened to the Pro Points podcast last week, and, and they obviously th- these are all people with votes on the Pro Points podcast, like Mike Segris, and Mike, Mike Segris is one of the nominees here. Uh, and so is Sam Black, I think. Yeah, Sam Black and Mike Segris are both um, uh, potential, you know, nominees, and uh, obviously PVDDR is already in the Hall of Fame. So these were people who are very invested in this system, and they did not even talk about Marcio Carvalho, who actually has the most impressive uh, kind of magic resume on on this list. So that kind of tells you how people how people feel about that. Uh, but yeah, I think changing the hall of fame in the future is a good idea and i think a lot of people have expressed support for some kind of split in the hall of fame between like a player hall of fame and then like a community hall of fame something to recognize people who have just done a lot for magic people who have you know brought people to the game or made massive contributions people like um i mean bdm of course he's a pro tour historian uh, even people like Marshall Sutcliffe, maybe he's such a good, you know, he's a commentator. People love him. He's been doing LR for a ridiculous amount of time now, uh, helping lots of players and, and bringing people into the game. So that kind of community side would be would be really good to see. And I hope, I mean, I think it's very clear that there's a lot of support for that idea. So they'll definitely try to do it. Yeah, definitely. I would love to see uh, other people like Rich Hagon. Uh, like celebrated in that way and stuff as well, just to have been such an integral part of coverage and, and the game for a long time. I do think like there, there are some people who get a little bit screwed by that, right? If you do that, because pros do take sort of writing and community stuff. Some pros do take it into account when they're considering their Hall of Fame votes. So for example, like I, I would say like Sam Black is one of the best article writers and has been for a long time for Magic uh, with his articles on SCG. But if you then separate the leagues out, so you're so you're explicitly not taking that stuff into consideration for the PT Hall of Fame or whatever it's going to be called, that kind of screws him over because then it's like, you know, his uh, he, you're just going on his tournament results even though maybe a lot of maybe previously people got into the hall of fame you know leveraging stuff like their articles and stuff as well so that that kind of sucks for those people uh, i think also like sam black brought this up i think on last week's pro points or the week before where he said like if they do something like change it to big finishes or whatever it's is that this year or it's next year they're changing it it's not it's not this year right it is this year it's already changed oh it is this year it's already changed yeah well that kind of sucks for him as well right because like if he had known that gp finishes were part of the 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 qualification um you know and to be taken explicitly into consideration this year it's like maybe he would have gone to more gps or whatever you know people it's you know it's kind of unfair that people didn't know what the criteria were 
for them possibly being voted in and it changes at the last second. Uh, I don't really like that so much, if I'm understanding it correctly. Uh, I, I think he was actually talking about eligibility for like rivals. Not... Yeah, he was. Sorry, yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. But it kind of fits into the same thing, doesn't it? It does a bit, yeah. Because but G- GP top eights are not included in this statistic. Only like Pro Tour, Mythic Championship level events, or World Championship level events. But the only kind of questionable thing I think is the Mythic Invitational top four that's included. Yeah, because it's so closed off in the first place that it's kind of unfair on a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Like there's no clear for some people there. There's no clear competitive path to getting into the mythic invitation or whatever i mean there is a path yeah. but some people can just skip it like uh i don't even remember the guy's name the guy who came second yeah i don't remember his name either yeah like he was a guy who qualified from arena so now he has that top finish even if he never does anything ever again but i mean the the other requirements are still in place you still need to have major like pro tour debut 10 years ago and you still need to have accrued 150 lifetime pro points so I mean, those things are still there as as some kind of a, a check and balance. But again, who knows what that requirement will be going forward? Because you know, obviously, pro points are gone; they're replaced with mythic points. Um, and yeah, the the hall is is obviously going to be changing. So, but yeah, I think good good concerns that were brought up, and I think they they have a year to figure it out. So I hope they make a good announcement next year, uh, and they don't just kick the can down the road and forget about it until then. Yep, definitely agree. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, I think that's probably it for news. Uh, we can talk more about GP Las Vegas if you want. I mean, I feel like we would just end up talking about Hogak the whole time, so we've already kind of said yeah. Hogak. I kind of, I kind of feel like it's going to be banned by the time people listen to this episode, so <laughs> it doesn't make yeah, a we, difference anyway. Like we, we, could do, we could do a deep dive into the subtle differences between all the different Hogak lists, so you could have your best Hogak list for your next tournament. I hope then yeah, that one um that wouldn't really be helpful. Yeah, that might be a slight waste of time. So let's uh, let's move on then. All right, will I give some kind of a tournament report for for the Arena Mythic Championship qualifier? Oh, yes. Absolutely. Can't wait to hear it. All right, so as I mentioned last week, I did decide to play uh, Nexus of Fate. And Kieran, you totally got me. I put I put the one drawn from Dreams on my deck. It was, it was good. Nice. Yeah, it, it was... Uh, Performed performed admirably, uh, and I've I've kept it in there since. Like, I might even go to two and two, but uh, yeah. So I started the tournament off with some with like easy games basically. So round one, uh, my, my notes are not very extensive. Uh, I was playing against Bant Ramp. Oh, and by the way, I have essentially uh, you know removed all these games from my brain, so I literally just have my notes to go on here. Uh, and maybe anything that comes back to me. Uh, yeah, round one, I was against Bant Ramp. Uh, game one, the opponent played poorly. That's what I've written here. Uh, <laughs> so that's the reason why I won nice. the game. And game two, the opponent mulled to five. So I got a quick wing. I, I think game two, the opponent had no... I think both games, the opponent had no pressure. So uh, some, sometimes the Bant Ramp deck can have a lot of pressure. Like they can play maybe an early Voracious Hydra that's big or whatever. And uh, then they have... Let's say it's a fairy, so they they can actually put it together and win against the uh, against the Nexus deck, but it did not come together for my opponent in that game. Uh, so that was one out to me. Uh, round two, I played against the Mirror or Pseudo Mirror, I guess. So I was on the play. I had a fast Tamio, so a turn three Tamio. Uh, however, opponent had drawn from Dreams and Narset, so I didn't have any Narset in my deck. So I was like, mm, I'm probably quite disadvantaged against uh, the Mirror with Narset. 
However, I think opponent, I think the opponent played two Narsets and I think also flipped their Azkanta and they didn't find anything. They, they did like, I think four activations of Narset or something like that, looking for Wilderness Reclamation and didn't find anything. And uh, I was able to win because of that. I just had time. I had all my components in my hand. Uh, game two, I sided in Ooze, which I wasn't sure if that was correct, but I thought that it might be likely to might be likely that I would get like I would be put in a, in a spot where I had like a couple of turns, uh, like not a sure Nexus lock, and that I maybe could take advantage of having the Ooze to um, to get a, a fast win over like maybe one or two chained turns, and also I I thought it could be likely that my opponent sides in shifting ceratops so ooze is kind of good to have in that situation uh, and it turned out that it wasn't really relevant the opponent was stuck on three uh for a long time and had only blue sources so obviously i put them on lots of negates and then i uh, <laughs> i wrote down here opponent stuck on three for a while only blue sources while i had everything so i think if i remember correctly i had like multiple wilderness reclamations and tamios uh to fight through their negates so that was uh, another win for me there which i was i was very i was feeling very good after that because once i saw the drawn from dreams and the narset i was like oh no this is going to be very difficult but uh things just kind of fell my way and then i hit the uh the esper wall so this was really really annoying after me having talked to you guys about how esper was not that bad a matchup for nexus uh, basically i played against two esper decks in a row and i just lost um round three was really 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 long so yeah uh the opponent had main deck noxious grasp uh for my first tamio and a fast narset so a narset after that yeah i think it must have been so i must have ramped into tamio opponent noxious grasp into narset uh, i punted at one point by main phase trying to draw with chemisters because my opponent uh, no, no, my opponent did not have Teferi. They just had Narset. And I just main phase tried to draw with Chemisters for some reason. So I basically just discarded uh, a card in my hand. which I think it was only an island, but still, I, I didn't get to draw anything. Um, so not I, ideal. Not a great play. Huh? Not a great play. No, no. Not not my finest moment. Uh, game two, the opponent mulled to six. So I was like, okay, maybe I'm okay here. Uh, I kept a hand with no green, but some good blue spells. Uh, opponent tried to thought erasure with Tamio out, so I had I had Tamio. My opponent tried to thought erasure me, uh, and I had a shifting Ceratops. So at that point, I was like, okay, we've traded punt for punt. I have a shifting Ceratops in play, uh, kind of advantage me here. Um, then, but I I had previously either milled or maybe my opponent had killed uh, two biogenic oozes, both of them. And then my opponent played um, Command the Dreadhorde and took both of my oozes. And that was the end of that. And then here you can see that I got frustrated because uh, from round one to round three, my notes increased in length. So like round one, my notes were kind of short, just a sentence. Round two, they got a good bit longer. Round three, longest of all. And then round four, I wrote Esper. Opponent has early Teferi. Lose a long game one. Game two, opponent has every perfect card. That's the end of my notes. Uh, and that was the end of your tournament as well. It was indeed. So uh, yeah, uh, that, was, that was kind of disappointing. And uh, on the upside though, I had no idea that the, the cut for day two would be so easy. So obviously I was kind of following the tournament as well. And the cut to day two, 
so as, as we said last week, they, they have increased the number of wins possible to 10 from eight the previous time. And I was thinking, you know, they've made it more difficult, like 10 and one or uh, nine and two, or maybe like eight and two could make it. But one, like there was a lot of reports on, on, on the spike subreddit afterwards. And one person made it in on six and two. They made it in with their tiebreakers, so their like their top mythic finish was their tiebreaker that got them in. Uh, but six and two, that is a crazy record to get into that day two with. Yeah, oh would have been nice if that was. Uh, obviously, it depends on the number of players, but it, it would have been nice if people had a bit more info on that before the tournament, just to know what to expect. I mean, they they kind of they they publish this information a little bit. They're like everyone who achieves the maximum number of wins makes day two. And then here's mm. our criteria for filling up the rest of the 128 after that. So they, they, they publish all the criteria, but they will never give you an estimation of how many wins you're likely to need because if they do that, then, I mean, there's going to be trouble if, if, <laughs> if that's not the case. Right, gotcha, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, but in general, I think in the future, I won't feel like the amount of wins necessary to make day two is this insurmountable task or whatever. I'll, I'll think about it maybe a bit more realistically after it happening twice now that I was surprised at how, you know, what kind of records actually got you into day two. I think it was like seven and two in the last one also got you into day two. So, yeah. Um, on the upside, I, as I said earlier, I'm, I'm crushing it on the ladder. So, I, you know, this happened to me in in the tournament, but on the ladder for like about four days or something, I just never lost a game and uh climbed up to i don't know a pretty high rank and then i i just let it i left it alone for a few days and i just didn't play um because i wanted to see what would happen to my rank uh that high so I, I i ended on like 27 and some days my rank went down some days it went up i was a bit unsure of why exactly that was happening i, I have seen that happen before but never like this early in the season um so i don't know kieran you you proposed that maybe Someone who was uh, above, or no, someone who was below me law, uh, beat somebody above me. And so the person above me dropped down and the person below me moved up, but not enough to leapfrog me. So that kind of pushes me up. I think that's a reasonable scenario. I think that's the only way it could happen, but it's it still seems weird that it happened to you like multiple times over multiple days. Like uh, that's does seem weird. I guess at the start of the season, there's like, because the thing about these... um these elo systems right is that they start with the the fewer games you have played the lower the confidence interval is um in 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 how yeah that basically the system is has less confidence in what your rating should be if it's if your rating is at an accurate spot or not and then the more games you play the the more it can zone in with confidence on what your your rating should be at so if there's people who like jump up high in in a short in a small amount of games uh they could be higher rated than you and then it could only take them losing like a couple of games to lose a lot of ranking if they're losing to people ranked much lower than them like the like the system will really punish people for that so that's the only thing i could think of it being but it's still um still a bit weird hmm well i still think that nexus is a fantastic choice right now uh today i had dropped down to rank 41 and i thought I can probably wait like the five or six days until the season ends and still be in the top 1000 or whatever, but sure, I'll just play a game just to see what happens. And I won again. So I'm back up to rank 26 
So I think I'll leave it there <laughs> for the rest of the season. Nice. That's awesome. Would you be tempted to try getting number one just for that uh, the, the sick Twitter rags? Nah, 26. <laughs> okay. That's a, a nice, easy answer for uh, a question that I would ponder more over. But uh, that's fair. Oh, I, I, no, I think it's a fine question. I, I would just be too afraid of, of starting to lose. Even though I have like yep. fairly strong confidence in my deck, I would hate to go on a losing streak. And I know that the second that I lost one game, I would just get so tilted and I'd probably pay, play terribly and then I'd just lose way more and then i drop out of the top 1,000. I'm catastrophizing here. I'm totally catastrophizing. Yeah, <laughs> I think you are. I mean, yeah, you can do, you can do something reasonable, like say you're, what, 27 now. If you play and lose and drop to less than 70 to stop and then you know, that's, that's at, you know, around 70, 80. 70, 80, you'll still easily be in top 1,000 uh, after a few days. Yeah, and I think... But what if his first game is against me and I'm in 97%? Oh, shit! <laughs> and then, yeah, then you just lose 300 ranks. Like, that's how it works, you know? I mean, that's very unlikely, I think. Very lucky for to you to beat Wolf, I mean... People. I've played people in the top 100, and, and like, I'm sure they've lost a shitload of rank because of it. I, I was saying it's, it's unlikely that you beat Wolf. I think, that, no, I have a 100% record against Wolf on, uh, on, the, on the Mythic ranking so far. Oh, in that case, oh, all right. It's, that's fair enough. Yep. Wolf, I won zero against you on uh, on arena ranked. Do we, we play just one time? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you beat me. Oh God. Yeah, and I'll uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna hack your internet if it happens again, so I can keep my hundred percent win rate. <laughs> it's very important. We'll have a good <laughs> Yeah. Um, what are you guys playing in standard? I am playing five color Golos. Uh, Field of the Dead Nexus, which is a super sweet deck. I'm playing uh, this week. I've been playing Autumn Burchett's list from the last Fandom Legends tournament. I changed the sideboard around a bit and changed a couple of cards that I wasn't overly impressed with, but uh, the core of the deck is the same. Really, really like it. It's just a bunch of ramp, kind of like the Scape Shift lists, but just not running Scape Shift and just running Golos instead. So it's like not as explosive, but I think it's more consistent and harder to beat and the fact that you have nexus kind of gives you another weird thing that people have to try and beat which is which is quite tough to do um so i took that from diamond three uh to mythic over a couple of sessions um so i finally hit mythic this season this is the longest it's taken me i think to do it uh but i'm not in the top a thousand currently i'm yeah at 97 percent at the moment so i'm gonna have to try and play and and get up into that top a thousand before the end of the month so i can finally actually qualify for Goddamn MCQ. Yes, I have I have not been laddering uh, for the past while. I've just been on my spare internet time as we spent on Magic Online, uh, playing Modern in preparation for, for the MCQ in a week and a half, in two weeks, in two weeks. And um, yeah, so it's uh, yeah, so I, I've I've been streaming together a lot of four ones in Modern. Um, in Modern leagues, I haven't got a five zero yet. Uh, I but I feel like just like my I'm kind of I'm kind of reluctant to do some like kind of serious tweaking and changing of the list I have right now because. I feel like I'll just be adapting and putting thought in for a format that's kind of temporary. So uh, after after the bans, I'll start kind of seriously considering kind of different builds of of so Tron or Etron or uh, whatever whatever I feel like is uh, the most well positioned. Uh, I guess we spoke a little bit earlier on about kind of what we think, what kind of changes we think will happen to the format uh, after the Bionor update. Um, but yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. Do you have so many four ones because you're you're conceding before you get the five zero, so you can like conceal your super secret sideboard? <laughs> Uh, I would like to say that is why, but that is not why. Um, yeah, so I, mean, I suppose like initially I was losing a lot of humans, which I'd expect because it's not a great matchup for Tron. Uh, but then having said that, I did beat humans very, very handily today uh, with the very same list I was playing before. So yeah, I guess it's just maybe, maybe I suppose it's kind of the variance built into to, to what I'm doing. Um, 
there is quite a bit of quite a bit of Eldrazitron, which I feel like I, I when I was playing a lot of Eldrazitron before, I felt like it was uh, uh, I felt like Eldrazitron was favoured in that matchup, you know, green versus Eldrazi. But but now I feel like it's probably the other way around. But um, yeah, so I'm, I'm still I'm still kind of trying to work around what the best strategy for that is. Uh, it seems like now Eldrazitron is because usually because the mirrors are usually very interesting because it comes down to you know which which player is going to uh, lean further into the whole disrupting the opponent's mana base strategy. Uh, and sometimes in, in some positions, you know, going ghost quarter into surgical is like enough to put your opponent very, very far behind. But that's only good if you can back that up for pressure, which is something that Eldrazi Tron does better than uh, than Green Tron. Because you know, sometimes Eldrazi Tron might player might you know, throw away their hand and throw away their own mana base to you know take Tron out of your deck, where then you're just happy just to you know to just make land drops and eventually you know hit a hit, hit a you know, um hit a Rokum engine or a uh, uh Tusk. So I'm kind of going back and forth. This is kind of what the, what the best approach to that format, the best approach to that uh, matchup is. Uh, I think that matchup has changed quite a lot now with the introduction of Karn the Great Creator, because uh, now sometimes just playing playing out Karn the Great Great Creator, Great Great Karn the Great Creator, uh, really shuts down Green Tron now because you know yeah because this is, this only silence effect is very very bad for them because uh, they play more artifacts than uh, Eldrazi Tron. I was gonna um, say uh, turning off O Stone must be really bad for Green Tron in that matchup. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, that, that is awful and it's like usually usually when there's like sony silence is like when, when white decks have been doing well uh you kind of see uh green tron playing like all assist in the main just as a way to you know just as, as a way to get the board wipe uh, and get around uh sony silence but um yeah that's obviously not very good against the tron so yeah the current current great creator has changed the landscape of that matchup quite a bit so i'll have to uh i'll just so after this ban i'll i'll re-examine uh where i want to be uh in the tournament tournament in two weeks bring back uh green black tron the thought seizes I know, yeah. That's, I feel like it's that, that, that they were great. Uh, yeah, for a while that was the best. That was the best version. Um, yeah, I, I blame Field of the Dead for that because that was yeah to advantage of Green Tron. You're playing more basics. Sorry, not Field of the Dead. Sorry, Field of Ruin. Field of Ruin. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the hottest of takes. I've been playing very bad scapeshift decks in modern. Valakuts. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think yeah, Field of the Dead, and then uh, I, I think at the same time, Field of the Dead has declined in you know the numbers that, that are you're seeing, but then uh, yeah, then I'd Assassin's say, Trophy I'd then say has. Again, I'd say they've declined to zero in modern Field of the Dead. It's not see play. Field, say again. Yeah. Field of Ruin. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Field of Ruin has uh, has gone dead in the format. One might say. Uh, you don't see it as much. Well, it's still in blue white control, which we mentioned earlier on that we would expect to see more blue white control uh, uh, if this ban uh, takes effect on our uh, next week. Uh, Assassin's Trophy then as well is you know reason why you want to be mono green uh, rather than green X. Um, yeah, yeah, that's we'll, true. We'll see. But if you're a green black, you could play Assassin's Trophy. How about that? Oh, boom! Out leveled. Um, <laughs> if only could, it'd be great if you could Assassin's Trophy your own lands, but um, you cannot. Yeah, I hate that. I actually hate that you can't. It's really annoying. Yeah. Because I, I see so many sick lines, it's more so on Saturday. Yeah, I see a lot of sick lines where you can, uh, yeah, even a sick ramp. Ah, oh, sweet, sweet. But um, oh well. Uh, yeah, there we go. In, in modern, so when was it that we talked about modern a fair bit? Was it last week or two weeks ago? But and and I I made that comment that if I was to like be playing modern at the moment, I would definitely want to be into some kind of like Mardu Death Shadow or like Mardu Pyromancer deck that's just really not good. But then last week at GP Birmingham. We had uh, a Mardu Shadow deck in the top eight, and this week at Las Vegas, I don't know if you guys were watching it at all, but in day one, I believe it was, uh, I think there was a 
a deck that went like eight and one. I don't know how it did on day two, but it, it was a Mardu Pyromancer deck that looked so sweet. With like Season Pyromancer, Kaya's Guile in the main, my favorite card. Do you think? Do you think yeah, I was, yeah, I've seen a few people try to get to, try to get that work. Uh, actually, just just there, and, and one of the matches I lost in my last league was uh, against it was against a Mardu deck with um, Lightning Elemental and Unearth. Yeah, that was that was pretty much yeah. this. Um, that was what this was, yeah, yeah, because the guy was doing it. Yeah, because they, they can, yeah, because they can unearth game two. The game one, I, I I destroyed them because I'm like, yeah, they're just doing this kind of fair thing. I'm I'm you know trotting them up. I'm I'm absolutely wrecking them. Then, uh, but then game two, they, because they're able to recur Fulminator Mage, uh, so they just had so many Fulminator Mages, uh, you know, being sacked, attacking uh, my mana base. Um, at one point, they they sur- at one point, yeah, at one point they surgical, they they killed the power plant, they surgical. I'm like, all right, that's fine. I have stuff in my hand. And eventually, um, they surgical my tower as well. So then I was like, oh, that's, that was kind of a waste of a card for them because it makes no difference to me. Uh, but then I was like, oh, I only have ten lands left on my deck, <laughs> so I can only I need have all my mana base out. Now, in order to um, cast a ten drop, it works. Yeah. By the way, I just noticed on MTG Goldfish they somehow screwed up the results for GP Las Vegas, and it says first place deck Simon Nielsen, player Hogak. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they they that's been that's been the case for a while on Goldfish. Uh, so, so many things like that that seem to get overlooked. Are you sure? Uh, <laughs> Are you sure this is not a, a a commentary on the state of the format? Yeah, could be. They also have that oh. first place, and then the rest of the top eight is tied for eighth. There's <laughs> one first, and then seven eighth places in a row on the. That that's how it works. If you're not the winner, you're the loser. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. I think uh, I think that's gonna do it for this week, right? We've we, we've no more really. We're done. That's the well, end of magic. That's that's magic is dead. Hogak has killed it. <laughs> yeah. Are, are we all gonna do um? Promise to do some crazy forfeits if uh, Hogak is not banned on Monday. Yeah, you have to brew up a, a modern field of the dead list. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. I'll put a true league. <laughs> Record it. Please do. Well, I do. I don't know. Go better Go better than 2-0 at an MCQ. Oh, I have to wait a while for that. <laughs> oh. And Kieran has to continue to stream with his top off every time. Yep, just got to get the that viewer count up. <laughs> yeah, you know, Thirst trapping is a perfectly legitimate way of uh, of, of boosting viewers. It's fine. <laughs> Flaunted if you got it. That's all I'm saying. That's it. That's it. <laughs> exactly. It's a bit unfair that you're allowed to do that, but you know, women are not. I think I'm not allowed to do it either. But when you have like two viewers, it doesn't. Ah, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> all right, we'll keep it on the. So yeah, uh, just between. Yeah, we, so as long as our yeah, if uh, if the viewers if the viewers start getting too high, then uh, I'll shoot my top off to try and um, get them down again. <laughs> nice. <laughs> all right we'll keep that just between us and the and the listeners and the viewers <laughs> uh all right so that's going to do it for this week. Well as mentioned uh we do have a stream skullcrack stream usually it's kieran streaming on there he's a good lad good good fun to watch talks through his plays makes several punts but you know likes to likes to notice them immediately after he makes them uh <laughs> jump in there have, have a have a have a gander uh, that's twitch.tv forward slash skullcrack and crack is spelled C-R-A-I-C. You can email us if you want. Oh, we have an email. Let me let me read that. Damn it. Oh, wait. We have an email. Yeah, you can email us at skullcrackpodcast at gmail.com. We got an email from Namata. He said, Oscar Wilde is the subject. Uh, don't know if you guys saw this, but an Irish guy won a PTQ in Birmingham. Jonathan Canfield. So congratulations to Jonathan. Uh, with Skullcrack in his deck. Oh, what a legend. Um, yeah, class. 
Yeah, he was playing Boros Burn, I think. Oh, well. Yeah, he yeah he he was yeah he was in my group chat uh, for preparing for an MCQ in two weeks, uh, but now he's no longer active because he already won one. Oh. Uh, fair play to him. Yeah. Yeah. Well done, Jonathan. And uh, he also said here. Also, you guys definitely need to look up Oscar Wilde versus the Marquis of Queensbury. That's a great story. Um, so that was from our quiz at the end of the show last week. So maybe we can investigate that story and uh, find out. Well, I already knew it. I, well, you guessed it, but I, I knew the answer when I got it in the quiz. It was so the story. As far I'm telling this from memory, I, as far as I remember, is that. The Marcus of Queensbury made references to Oscar Wilde being homosexual and which was obviously, you know, very insulting in the time, even though Oscar Wilde was homosexual, but you couldn't come out publicly and say that. So Oscar Wilde, I believe, sued him for slander and then lost in court because the judge was like, well, you are gay. So he wasn't slandering you. And that is why Oscar Wilde ended up going to prison in Reading Jail and wrote the Ballad of Reading Jail. He was he was then locked up for being a homosexual because it had been proven in court that he was one. Oh, so a very sad story. That's grim. Yeah, but it kind of, he it basically he was kind of hoisted by his own petard and that it was sort of his own ego and stuff that, that led him to do this pu- public suing of the Marcus of Queensbury in the first place, I think. Obviously completely unjust that he went to, to jail for being gay, but it was sort of just a sort of ridiculous affair overall. Well, it might have been one of those things where he, he kind of was morally obligated to challenge it because of the circumstances of the time. Uh, like if right, he yeah. left it unchallenged, then people would be like, oh, well, then that's obviously true. Um, so he could have been between a rock and a hard place there. I don't know. I don't think this podcast is the correct place for assessing the uh, <laughs> assessing the judgment and, and the uh, intentions of Oscar Wilde. But uh, <laughs> if you... Is it not? I thought that's what we did. Yeah. If you do want to hear more about that, you can tune into the stream, as I said, at twitch.tv forward slash Skullcrack. You're on the line, on the hook now, Kieran, to talk about Oscar Wilde more. Um, right. I hope I got that correct. That's a long time ago I read that, yeah. Sure. I mean, we'll be corrected if not. Uh, you can also email us, skullcrackpodcast at gmail.com, as I mentioned. And you can tweet at us, at Skullcrack, uh, on Twitter. And that is going to do it for us this week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Eldorain. It's uh, that's the next upcoming set, uh, but it will be a while till we get some uh, cards from that. Uh, so in the meantime, um, I have some fake magic cards to, to read out. These uh, come from my friends at uh, Magic the Circle Jerking. Uh, the the quality of the content on that site has been down, I think, over the last few weeks. But then, just just suddenly, I just found all this absolute gold, uh, which I will uh, read out to you um, if you would like to hear about some uh, new upcoming cards. If you're ready. Um, here we have a three-mana Planeswalker. Right, he's pretty good. This is a uh, Nicole Bolas cartoon villain. It costs uh, Grixis. It costs uh, blue, black, red. Um, has a static ability. Uh, you are the arch enemy for the rest of the game. Uh, in brackets, there's a this is it says this is a game of arch enemy now. Your opponents become a team which with one turn turn and shared some of their life totals. Um, so it comes in on ten ten loyalty. It has plus one, which is a add uh, double Wooberg. Uh, then pay. 
double Wooberg, double Wooberg uh, because you lost in a battle with a cat man who just became a planeswalker. Uh, it's got a minus three. Uh, gloat about your evil plan. Gain great a 10-10 Eldrazi creature token that has nothing to do with that plan. And then uh, minus 15, this is a stronghold, uh, destroy, destroy each opponent unless that player can explain what exactly caused Bolas' defeat in uh, the War of Spark novel. <laughs> Ooh, I don't think I could do that. That's a, actually, I, I actually, I, I literally just finished reading a novel, and uh, I, I don't think I could do that either. Uh, it's a pretty strong card. I might see some play. Uh, so we got we got another one here. It's uh, called Sultai Legend. This is um, a creature. It's a seven-seven for seven mana. It's a four black, green, uh, blue. Uh, static ability is your graveyard is also your hand. And the uh, the flavor text is card draw check removal check ramp check. I think we solved EDH, guys. Uh, this is a quote from uh, CDC to uh, Leobold and Muldrotha. Those sound pretty good. Nice. Um, all right, so we've got, we've got a Galaxy Brain meme. Now, these, these are high-quality memes. Uh, if you just want to... I'll read out the first four and see if you can guess what the last one is. All right, so we've got a small brain. Ban Hogak. All right, that's, that's, that's pretty reasonable. All right, all right, next level. Unban Splinter Twin to combat Hogak. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Errata Modern Horizons to... Legacy Horizons, <laughs> removing Hogak from Modern. <laughs> uh, then it's ban the graveyard so nobody can cast Hogak. I suggested that before as a serious suggestion. <laughs> it's all the graveyard cards. Uh, would you like to guess what the last Galaxy Brain solution is? Uh, I mean, what's what's stronger than banning the graveyard? Is it like ban uh, the entire format or something? Yes, it's ban Modern. No. Congratulations, Kieran wins this quiz because <laughs> this is the only question in it. Um, uh, this one here, so this is a it's a it's a picture of Crufix, but I don't know if, uh, if this is another meme format. But basically, it's a really kind of a bad text superposed over it, which says, uh, "Yes, I know a lot about MTG lore." Then it has lore written uh, written vertically, and each letter you know, spells another sentence. So here's four things about about lore. Uh, Liliana was Jace's goth girlfriend. That's L, uh, but now. He's with Frasca, uh, smiley face. Uh, o is uh, orangutans are the only beings in the multiverse that have sex. I think that's that's reference to that card from, from before. Um, or is a uh, Rasputin is not from Russia, but from Dominaria. Do you know what that's reference to? Mm, is there a card with the name Rasputin from Dominaria? I think I think there is. No, really? Oh my god! It's from back before yeah. when like cards were circle stuff. Yeah, Rasputin <laughs> Dreamweaver. Oh my god. Here we go. So it, it costs uh, four white blue. It's a legendary creature, human wizard, 4-1. And the card text is... Oh, will I give you the, the old text or the oracle text? No, give us the old text. Of old text. Okay. Sweet, sweet old text. Give it to us. Put seven counters on Rasputin when brought into play. You may remove a counter to prevent one damage to a Rasputin or add one colorless to your banana pool. This ability is played as an interrupt. Put one counter on Rasputin during your upkeep if he started the turn untapped. You may not have more than seven of these counters on Rasputin at any time. My god. Well, that's still pretty readable. It's pretty, um, they're pretty favorable because uh, they try to kill him. Well, I mean, everything I know from about Rasputin's uh, history comes from uh, that song, um, Rasputin by Boney M. But it does seem like a pretty good card. It's a good song. Well, well designed card, at least. Yeah, great song. All right. um, so that was L O R uh, E is a uh, Emrakul has no siblings, so is an only child, which explains a lot, to be honest. <laughs> okay, so this is um. Yeah, I would agree with all. I, I, yeah. Uh, do we have any more? Uh, no, right, we have. A, all right, this is a uh, 
Another Planeswalker card. This is the fairy who never rotates. Uh, three white, uh, blue for a planeswalker that comes in uh, at four loyalty. The static ability says if the fairy would rotate out of standard or die, instead create a token that's a copy of him, except it costs two less. Uh, if it can't, it does this ability. I don't know how a token can have a cost, but um, yeah, let's, we'll, we'll, let's go with it. So, uh, comes in the four, it's plus one is draw a card and untap two lands. If the fairy costs one white, blue, uh, warp standard instead. It's got a, a minus three. Return target non-permanent to its owner's hand. If the fairy costs three uh, white blue, put it into its owner's library third from the top instead. That's, that's nice and elegant. I guess that's why that's why the token has uh, CMC, so uh, the two different modes can recognize what uh, what version of the fairy is on the battlefield. Yeah, it's, uh, it's elegant design. Well done. Um, nice. You got a this is a meme of you know we got a, the thumbs up old guy in front of a computer. He's holding uh, he's holding Hogak. Um, and Watsi, so Watsi, he's representing what Watsi is. He's holding Hogak with a thumbs up and an awkward smile on his face. Um, then uh, we have a guy from a movie I haven't seen. He's in space and he's looking at uh, Soulforge Mystic and Battle School. And uh, he's saying, now that's an Avengers level threat. Um, well, it's, I'm, I'm not quite sure the movie references because I don't watch movies anymore, but um, I'm, I'm sure this, this is quite funny. <laughs> uh, all right, finally, we've got a, another new card. This is a, a legendary creature, Werewolf. It's a. Uh, Called Werewolf Legend. It costs two red green for legend, legendary creature, Werewolf. Uh, it's a 4 4. Uh, it has Trampled and Haste. Uh, the favorite text is Wait, you wanted it for EDH? Uh, says Marrow. Brilliant. Seems like a good design. Very flavorful. Yeah, this is Trample. Haste. Reference to um, Ulrich before. Yeah. Yeah, those are things that werewolves do, right? Werewolf stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. Just werewolf things. Um, yeah, so that's that's it's, it's the end of all, all these cards. Uh, so one of our memes here that are nonsense, but uh, maybe we'll keep them for another time. Um, uh, one of them is, uh, uh, where can I get these cool Azorius tokens? And it's a picture someone has of, um, say, the 18, eight years clean from heroin today. It's like a, one of these you know, at a AA where whenever you're clean, you get a token. And the token looks like the, these coins look like Azorius coins. Hmm. Um, it's, it's humor. <laughs> All right. Well, I can't wait to hear more from Magic Circle Jerking next time. But uh, that's going to do it for today. Or shit posts. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. See you later, lads. See ya. Cool. All right. Good luck. Bye-bye.